we're going nowhere. We're standing on the world of scripture. If you were to be standing with you, because of his grace and love, we ain't going nowhere. Nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Hello, welcome to John Not Quite Calvin. I am your host, John Not Quite Calvin. I know that it's been a minute. Uh, a lot of different things have been happening. Obviously, you guys know the standard spiel. I want to do this more regular, regularly than something happens. Then everything just falls apart, and then I end up recording it super late, even though I have the thing written up and ready to go. So let's not waste any more of you guys's precious, valuable time. Let's get right into our topic today, prophecy or prepostery. So we see here, false prophets and false teachers are just rampant in the United States and thousands of people continue to follow them even when they are proven wrong. Some of the big major examples of this would be Joseph Smith, for instance, the founder of Mormonism. Did you know that he actually predicted that the end of the world would be in 1891. So that's that's when the world would end, according to Mormonism. Mormonism is still a thing. People still think that John Joseph Smith was this great prophet, and Mormonism is one of the fastest-growing religions in the world right now. Even though Joseph Smith predicted the world would end, wrongly, I, mind you, I remind you, in 1891. Or how about Ellen White, the prophetess, quote-unquote, who founded the Seventh-day Adventist? She said that the world would come to an end in 1843. Wait, nope, hold up. She meant 1844. Nope, sorry again, yes. It's coming in a little stronger now. 1845? No dice? All right, let's just adjust our tinfoil hats here. Two fingers above the bridge of the nose, gently to the right. Ah! 1851. The world will end in 1851. Oh, I'm sorry. Breaking news. It is 2020. Ellen White was wrong yet again. Or how about this? Charles Taze Russell, the guy who founded the Jehovah's Witnesses, he said the world would end in 1915. Sorry to say that was 105 years ago, sir. World War I didn't even end the world. Or how about the Christian scientists? They claimed that we would all burn in 2000. Y2K didn't even happen. They claimed that we were all going to burn in 2000. And as of, I think it was 2011 or 2012, I can't remember where I got that article, but apparently it was still on their website as this, this great prophecy. Yet, these people have been proven wrong time and time again, but yet we continue to see these people flocking to these just cults, to be honest. They're following these false prophets and false teachers that God has, God, not just people, not scientists, not atheists, God himself has proven wrong over and over again. If you're going to predict the end of the world, which is something that not even Jesus himself knew, but only the Father. And you're wrong. 
That's not just you being wrong and you making a mistake. That's God proving that you're false. But even still today, somehow people not only follow these guys, but they encourage people to prophesy. They think that this is some great power that you need to have, that the Holy Spirit will make you a prophet if you are truly a Christian. Now to be clear, the canon of scripture is closed. We're not in need of further revelation from God right now. And from the list of people claiming to be prophets, notice how they are false and they tell people to do things that are contrary to the scriptures that we know are divinely inspired. Joseph Smith added a whole nother testament to Jesus Christ. Now, Joseph Smith pr pretty clearly showed the fact that he was ignorant on anything to do with biblical history because to have another testament of Jesus Christ would mean that Jesus made yet another covenant with other people. And the New Testament that's supposed to take place at the same time isn't the New Covenant. Or Ellen White. She claimed to be a prophetess. She said a lot of things that are contrary to standard biblical doctrine. Uh, the Jehovah's Witnesses, they are very much against standard practice of Christianity. They add things. Their magazine is considered canon, canonical. Um, the Christian scientists, they're just, they're just flat out weird. I don't actually know a whole lot about the Christian scientists, but they are a strange bunch. And they're probably one of the most unscientific religion I have ever heard of from the little that I have heard of them. But it's clear that prophecy in the church has passed because we don't have a need for further revelation. The scriptures are closed and we haven't had a major prophet that stood up and said anything that's not contrary to what the scriptures already say. And if they do say something that's in line with the scriptures, then it's not really necessarily necessary for the church to know because we already know it. And yet we continue to see this trend. We continue to see people following these false teachers, false prophets. And not only that, people sometimes are so bold as to say that they are a prophet and they're a new apostle. And this is even happening today. I mean, let's just take a quote. I'm pulling this from Jesus Unmasked by Todd Friel. An excellent book, by the way. But here, uh, let me just quote this. Mike Bickle, who's one of these people who claim to be a new apostle, mind you, and a prophet, is on record saying, Bob Jones was told that the general level of prophetic revelation in the church was about 65% accurate at this time. Some are only about 10% accurate. A very few of the most mature prophets are approaching 85 to 95% accuracy. Prophecy is increasing in purity. But there is still a long way to go for those who walk in this ministry. This is actually grace for the church now. Because 100% accuracy in this ministry would bring a level of accountability to the church, which she is too immature to bear at this time. It would result in too many Ananias's and Sapphira's. 
That's funny. And Ananias and Sapphira were killed by God for lying. Acts 5, 1 through 11. Now, obviously, probably about 80% of what's in the body of Christ that's called prophecy is fleshliness. Fleshiness. And so we're in a day when we're in such an immature stage of this. So much of what is called prophecy is not truly prophecy. So we realize that, so what's our reaction to that? We don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We say, Lord, we don't throw out prophecy. We ask you to mature it. We don't take it as seriously in the early days as we will in the days to come. Seriously? (laughs) I mean, seriously? 65% accurate. We have prophets. This is a ministry. 65% accurate. They're right only a little bit above half the time. And and then not only that, some of them are 10% accurate. The, uh, newscasters, like the weatherman, is more, ac- is more accurate than these prophets at 10%. And some of the more mature ones are 85 to 95%. They're not, they're not right all the time. They're definitely not hearing from God 5% of the time, at least. But, you know, they're about 85 to 95% accurate. Not only that, here's another thing too. He says 80% of what the body of Christ, uh, of what's in the body of Christ, it's called prophecy is fleshiness. So pretty much what he's saying is hey, they're, they're accurate about you know, 65% of the time, but I mean, 80% of the time, they're just lying out their rear ends. This is essentially, that's essentially what he just said. He, he admitted to the fact that 80% of what's called prophecy coming into this church are just flat out lies. Not only that, like who's getting these, who's getting these statistics? Do they have like a sportscaster like sitting up in the booth? Oh, we have Bob over there on the right side of the, on the right side of the stage over there. Yep. He's waving his arms. He's swinging them about. Let's give him the microphone, Mike. All right. All right. What does he got to say? He's saying something about the weather and God's telling him it's going to snow. Well, I mean, we've been watching this kid since uh, he predicted accurately that the Patriots were going to lose the Super Bowl about three years ago. But uh, at this time, he's he's batting at about uh, 70% accuracy. He's 5% more accurate than the majority of our prophets. However, he's still at only 70% people. Let's keep that in mind. We're still maturing here. <laughs> I mean, come on. Where do you get these statistics? And not only that, if, if this is supposed to be a ministry that's supposed to be in your church, without a doubt, like this is a ministry that you want in your church so bad that you're encouraging people to claim to be prophets in order to be part of the prophecy ministry in your church. (laughs) This shouldn't be an immature thing. The church has been around. In fact, there's records of prophets in the early church 2000 years ago, 2000 years ago. How's this immature? How, like what happened? Just prophecy ceased and now it's starting up again. So it's immature in the church. Why is it immature in the church? Not only that, if it's so new, if it's such a new idea for the for the church, is it really necessary for the church? Honestly, I would say it's not. But I mean, seriously, you're running into these numbers where it's like 65% accurate, 85 to 95% accurate. You could be 99% accurate. If you're wrong 1% of the time, you're a false prophet. Congratulations. According to Deuteronomy, you're supposed to be stoned. If you're wrong and claim to be hearing from God, 
and you are saying a prophecy once you should be stoned to death. That is what the scriptures prescribe. That is how serious of a crime this is. But we need a little grace. God's God's given us a little bit of grace right now. He's not telling his prophets uh, the 100% truths, but they're still his prophets. No, they're not. No, they're not. You're lying. Those false prophets right there. Run away from those people. I'm telling you. So, you know, and, and it's not even just these people that are running around claiming to, to be prophets. It's people that are writing books about this. You know, you have the people that obviously they do, you know, the end times prophecies and they do all these different uh, loony bin prophetic things. Most of the time they're proven wrong. In fact, it's kind of funny if you go into the prophecy section, quote unquote, in a <laughs> Christian bookstore, you'll find some books that are really out of date and they've been proven wrong but they're still in the prophecy section because they didn't sell. Um, <laughs> but the other one too is like, you know, I know I've torn this book to shreds. I keep mentioning it and I'm sure you guys are getting really sick about hearing my opinions about, but Jesus calling by Sarah young. It, it's horrible that that's seriously Sarah young's claiming to be a prophet. She's claiming to hear from Christ. And if Sarah young is actually hearing from Christ, she's having another revelation from Christ. And therefore she should be, uh, Jesus calling should be considered the 67th book of the Bible. And it should be held to the same standards as the rest of the canon. It won't hold up because it's not true, but people love this book. They flock to this book. Uh, the Jesus that she claims that she's hearing from doesn't even sound like the real Jesus. It's, it's terrible. In fact, Sarah Young should be held accountable by the community, the Christian community, not necessarily like going so far as to stone her, I wouldn't advocate for that for any of these guys who aren't actually prophets, but they should be stopped from prophesying. They should be addressed and say, Hey, cut it out. You're not a prophet. Just stop. So I have to, I have to reiterate false teaching, especially false prophecy. It's a heinous crime. Heinous. Uh, we have to respect whom we're representing. When you're claiming to be a prophet, you're claiming to represent God himself. You're claiming to represent God to the world. You're claiming to represent Christ to the world. Consider the, the U.S. military, for instance. When you're in the military and you're wearing the patch of your squadron, you're representing your squadron to your base. So if you're misbehaving, it comes back onto your squadron. You get yelled at. The entire squadron gets yelled at if somebody from your squadron is being an idiot on base. The uniform that you're wearing, the patches that you're wearing represent what you're you to the rest of the military community. So if you're from the, the Marines, the army, the Navy and the air force, you either have a different camouflage uniform or you have a different tape that says what branch of the military you're from. And that represents you to the rest of the base community. So when Marines are being idiots, it comes back on the entire base and that affects everybody's perception of you. When you're wearing the uniform out in public, you're shaping what the community views the military as. So when you have a lot of guys who are in uniform doing DUIs and drunken disorderly and stuff like that, that begins to really reflect negatively on the base. And then when you have people who are wearing the flag uh, on their uniforms, they're representing the United States to the international community. So when you're overseas, and you're a military member, 
You represent the U.S. military, but you represent the U.S. people. So when you do something stupid overseas, it reflects negatively on everyone in the U.S. It's kind of the same way, though, with Christ. Like, when you represent Christ or God and you claim that you're a prophet, you're representing him to the world. You're representing him to the children. You're representing him to your community, your church. And you're representing him to the world. So when you're falsely prophesying, when you're making these claims that aren't actually true, what ends up happening is people say, God's not real. God's not true. God doesn't exist because he can't fulfill his prophecy. Or his prophets who claim to be hearing from him are bogus. Therefore, God is bogus. And so are his claims. And so is his word. It reflects 100% negatively on God when you're wrong. Yeah. When, so yeah, I mean, think about that though. The next time that you want to lecture somebody about what Jesus actually meant. So the, the thing is, do you know him and his words and what he's actually teaching well enough to be able to inform somebody what he's actually meaning? Or are you going to take it out of context? If you don't actually know enough to make the claim properly, don't make the claim. Don't lecture somebody on something that you're not, that you don't know. If somebody's going around and they're saying something and you feel like it's wrong, but you don't know a hundred percent, you haven't read it in the word, you haven't heard Jesus say anything about it, you haven't heard God say anything about it or anything relating to it, you, you have no place to say God says it's wrong or God accepts this, or God says this is fine. You don't know. Shut up. I mean, think about it, though. When you misrepresent God, you're misrepresenting him in front of himself. He is the judge. He's the ultimate judge. And the penalty for misrepresenting God as a prophet is death. Think about that the next time that you want to go ahead and lecture somebody when you don't actually know Christ very well or well enough in a certain area, in a certain respect, and you want to lecture them about how you feel. Uh, side note, though, on evangelism, it's okay to tell somebody you don't know. So let's say that you're in a conversation with somebody. They bring up something that maybe you've heard once or twice. You personally haven't read it in the scriptures. You haven't really seen it. You're not 100% sold. You're not 100% sure that it's actually what the church believes or what the Bible says or what Jesus said. You can tell them you don't know, but you need to go ahead and you need to honestly say, I don't know. However, I will look into it and I will get back to you if I can. And I also encourage you to look into it so that you know the answer as well. And the thing too is like atheists actually, re they respect that when like, even if they don't believe you, even if they don't believe the Bible's true, when you go to them and you actually admit something and you hold true to the scriptures and you don't know and you say, honestly, I don't know, I'll look into it, they respect that. They also respect it when you can bring it back to the scriptures. Yeah, they might say that's not authoritative. However, they need to respect the fact, this is my faith. This is what we believe. and This is why we believe it. We believe that this comes from God. So when the scriptures say this, that's what we have to go on when it comes to our faith. 
a lot of atheists that I know actually respect that. If you actually know what you're talking about, they will respect it. They won't change their mind necessarily, but that's because that's a supernatural act. God has to change their mind. God has to change their heart. But if you know what you're talking about, it helps. Also, if you know the saving power and message of the gospel, you don't need to be a walking encyclopedia. Like some people think that to, to evangelize, you need to be like the greatest uh, debater ever. And you need to know apologetics to a T and you need to know all these great things. You need a seminary degree in order to properly evangelize to certain people. And to, in order to talk to certain people, you need to be an expert. You don't need to be an expert on Mormonism to talk to a Mormon. You just need to be an expert on the gospel. What is the gospel? How are you saved? What is repentance? What is faith? Who is Christ? If you are an expert on who Christ is and who and what the gospel is, you can talk to anybody about it. And let me put it this way. You're also an expert on anybody in the world because we're all sinners. We all have that in common. You're an expert on that. So bring about the saving power of Christ. You don't need to be a walking encyclopedia. If somebody asks you enough questions and they really want to know the answers, encourage them to look into it for themselves. But you also should probably look into it. Because that, that's the most annoying thing. When you don't know the answer to something, or when you're asking somebody who doesn't know the answer to something, they say, well, look into it, but they don't. That's annoying. If somebody's asking all of these questions and they really want to know the answer, maybe look into it. That might come up again. Research. It, it'll only help you in the long run. So yeah, like ultimately the thing is that we need to be careful about false prophecy, false teaching, uh, what we're saying and, and who we're claiming that we're hearing this from. If we're claiming we're hearing this from God and we don't have anything to back it, that we're in a dangerous position. We need to realize that when we're representing God, that is a serious thing. That's why being a pastor is not for everybody. That's why leading a Bible study is not for everybody. That's why speaking in, in, in Bible studies is not for everybody. Um, you need to know what you're talking about. You need to know what you're researching, depending on the environment that you're in and who you're talking to, that they can teach you and they can correct you. If it's an open environment for a discussion like that, that's great. But don't be going around lecturing people about who Christ is. If you don't know who he is, you need to, it, you need to humble yourself, realize that you don't know everything. I don't know everything about Christ, but what I do know about Christ, I'm very solid on <laughs> because I've read and I've seen it to be true in the scriptures. So spend the time in the scriptures, know what you're talking about, know who you're talking about. If you're claiming that you're a prophet, you're probably wrong. Not only that, if you're claiming to be a prophet and you're wrong one time, you're done. You're not a prophet. Because if you're a true prophet, you're going to be right 100% of the time. That's what God said. That's God's criteria for being a prophet. You're right 100% of the time when it comes to speaking on matters of God. Do the prophets sin? Yes, the prophets sinned. However, when they were speaking about what God said and about who God was, they were accurate 100% of the time because it came directly from God. So keep that in mind. If you're going to claim to be a prophet, you need to be accurate 100% of the time. If somebody that you know is claiming to be a prophet, they need to be accurate 100% of the time. And if they're not accurate to what the scriptures say about God, they're not a prophet. They need to be warned to stop. Because the only person that they're going to hurt 
is themselves ultimately and everybody who follows them. It is a serious, serious thing. I have talked about this with my books, uh, podcast. I have talked about this on multiple blog posts. When somebody claims to be speaking for God, that is a dangerous position to be in. You are leading a lot of people astray. You are putting a lot of people in serious spiritual eternal danger. And ultimately, you have to represent yourself in front of God. And when God looks at you and says, why were you lying about me? Lying is one thing. Lying about God is like, it's lying to the nth degree. So why is this happening so much? Like, what is the cause of this? What is the cause of all these false teachers and false prophets in the United States? Uh, in the United States, three things I think mainly. One, postmodernism. Truth being based on your personal feelings. If truth is based on your personal feelings, it's being translated eventually to personal revelation about who God is. God is revealing himself to me in a different way than he's revealing himself to you. God is relative to me. What God's truth is, is relative to me. When God says that this is wrong, he's talking to you only and he's convicting you only. He's not talking to me. That's dangerous. God isn't double-minded. He is singular, singularly minded. He doesn't change. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't mean one thing to one person, one thing to another person. Postmodernism is extremely dangerous. And I think that the reason that there are so many false prophets is because we have a lot of people who claim to think that, or who think that God also is postmodern and he is relative to the person and their personal experience. Number two, emotionalism. We're letting our emotions work as a sort of spiritual and vocal laxative. If I feel really strongly about something, it must be from God. If I'm feeling extremely passionately about something, it must be because God has put it there. Emotionalism is extremely dangerous also because we're, we're doing something boldly based upon every core of our being, which is 100% sin, by the way. I mean, it goes so far as to making claims about what love is. Like that's, that's the big one because we view love as this emotion. So when we get really emotional about something in the realm of love, we're changing who God is. Think about the LGBTQ plus community. We're really passionate and we're really emotional about the fact that love is love and we can't be hating on people because of their personal choices. That's wrong. Or other religions. Oh, well, that person to the very core of their being thinks that Muhammad is God. That person to the very core of their being thinks that Joseph Smith was an actual prophet. That person to the core of their being believes that Buddha is actually God or God is multiple gods. Just because somebody feels something extremely passionately and with a great deal of emotion doesn't make it true. It doesn't make it right. Or we make stipulations and extra considerations to remove people from hell. Because we have this emotional feeling about us that we're thinking that we're just super compassionate and God can't be less compassionate than me. He can't be crueler than I am. You're right. God can't be crueler than you are. You're extremely emotional. I am extremely emotional. There are times when I sin by driving and growing angry at somebody on the road. I'll admit it. I'm not perfect. 
I can get angry. I have an anger problem sometimes. That is a problem that God doesn't have. So yeah, God isn't crueler than you, but at the same time, God deals with people based upon facts, sin, and their standing with Christ and their faith in him. If you don't believe in Christ, you're not going to heaven. Because we have all sinned, we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and the only way to heaven is through Jesus Christ. Stop making stipulations and stuff because of the emotions. Number three, biblical illiteracy is huge. If we don't know who God is anymore, we are going to fall into two traps. Trap number one, we're going to be speaking ignorantly, but boldly or even rashly about God. And number two, we don't know any better. When we're biblically illiterate, we don't know any better. We don't know if what we are being taught is true. And we begin to do things out of context. Or it's just plain old wrong. The biggest verse that's been taken out of context, other than Revelation 3.20, would be Philippians 4.12 or 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Some people's entire ministries and lives are based upon that verse. When you're biblically illiterate and that's all you're hearing all the time, that's what you think Christ is about. That's not what Christ is about. That's not what the Christian life is about. Christians are not superheroes. I mean, seriously, when it comes to representing God, think about it. How would you like to be represented? Do you want to be represented by somebody who doesn't know you at all or they know you by name? And every, every now and then they hear about you and they make bold claims about you. Or do you want to be represented by somebody who's actually spent the time with you, studied you and loves you dearly? Who would you want to write your biography? Anytime that you speak about Christ or God in front of a crowd of people, you're giving a biography about God and you're representing him. Think about that. And not only that, think about how offended you are when somebody says something wrong about you. Multiply that by infinity because you're talking about the infinite God of the universe. So let's just be careful. Let's be biblical. Let's read our scriptures. Let's know what we're talking about. Let's know who we're talking about. And let's encourage those who are around us to do the same. All right. So I wanted to finish this uh, podcast up just by explaining a little bit about the hiatus. I know that I've... I keep telling you guys that I want to do this more regularly and I don't because things come up and the, the last month has been just hectic. Um, I had a, I had a friend uh, who died at the beginning of the year and that really knocked me down for about a week. Then my car broke down. I had a contract fall through. I'm having to pick up a second job, just handling all the extra bills and stuff with the car breaking down and everything. So it's been kind of hectic. So I've been sitting on this script for a little bit and I decided to record it. And <laughs> this is actually the second time I've gone through this recording. So hopefully this one sticks <clears throat> computer. Um, so yeah, with all the uh, pauses and with the me picking up a second job, what does that mean for the channel? I'm probably going to be posting about twice a month. That's going to be my goal. I'm going to try to take one week for my notes and my scripts, and then I'm going to record the next. That's what that means for the podcast. Uh, please send me your suggestions for podcasts, by the way. 
Uh, if you want, if you'd like me to, to, uh, talk about something, please send me a message, uh, either on johnnockwhitecalvin.com or directly if you know who I am. Um, if you would like me to put up more blogs, I know that that's something that I've really been neglecting lately. Uh, if you want me to actually write some more things down so that you have something to read, not just doing these podcasts every other week, let me know. Uh, I'll try to do that a little bit more regularly. Uh, another thing too, is as you guys know, I read a lot of books. Uh, if you actually want me to review the books, put a little snippet about it on a blog post or, um, even do like a full review on a podcast, uh, let me know. It takes me about a week to read a book and keep in mind that it'll probably take me a little bit longer if I'm taking notes to do a review on a podcast on it. But if you guys want me to write reviews as I read books, uh, or if you guys want me to do a post, uh, once a month about like the book of the month or whatever, or if you want me to do a podcast about a book that I'm reading, let me know. I would be happy to do that to give you guys recommendations and such. Um, also keep in mind that as much as I love books, uh, theology books, I can't read them all the time. Uh, there are other books on my bookshelf. I like reading, you know, military history, us history, fiction, thrillers, comic books, things like that. So it, I can't read all of my theology books all the time. It's a big brain drain. Cause I really try to take those things seriously. But if you would like me to post about books, please let me know if there is a topic that you would like me to do a a podcast about or even a blog post about, please let me know. I'm looking for suggestions. Um, And with that, I'll go ahead and close by saying until next time, Soli Deo Gloria.